the way that I was receiving it was it kind of requires a certain level of nuance when someone challenges preconceived notions of what that archetype is supposed to be. So it kind of gets into the Madonna whore complex, like that Mm. age old adage where you can either be a sexual female or you can be a mother and you can't be both. Hello, everybody. You're listening to Chatting with Candace. I'm your host, Candace Horback. Before we jump into this week's episode, if you can hit that like and subscribe wherever you're listening or watching, it helps a ton with charting, searchability, and the algorithm. Tell all your friends about the podcast so that I can have more awesome conversations like this one. I was giddy and giggly when I found out who was on the podcast this week. We have Vailana Marcus joining the podcast. Vailana is the wife of Aubrey Marcus. She is also an incredible goddess in her own right, and she's an incredible recording artist. She's just a great example of stepping into that divine feminine energy. And I was so excited to talk to her about everything I could talk to this woman for hours. Please help me welcome Vailana Marcus. I cannot say how excited I am for this conversation. Um, when I found out that you were going to be on the podcast, I like giggled and screamed and was so excited. I <laughs> feel like, and I don't know if this has been your experience, but I feel like there are so few women in the space of, I guess, being a role model for feminine energy and like that divine feminine and embracing it. So when I saw you and have been following you, I'm like, this is what I've been looking for. And I've just been drinking up all of your content. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. It's an absolute, absolute honor to to be here with you and, and just like can very much resonate with, you know, particularly what we see on social media and just in the world at large, like, you know, kind of in my own search for really like searching for the women, like who are really embodying the type of woman that I want to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I I completely resonate with that. And just, I feel so honored and grateful that you see me as that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I find it so curious because there's a huge spectrum of what is it to be a man and people defining masculinity. But with women, I feel like it's a lot more polarizing for Mm. we get one that is almost this chaotic sexual energy, maybe like a little bit, and I don't want to say unbridled in a bad way because unbridled can also, you know, there's a light version of that, but just mm-hmm. this more hungry ghost, if you will, of yeah. sexual female sexual energy. And then there's the quote red-pilled one, which is this kind of redesigned puritanical mm-hmm. version of what a woman is supposed to be. So I guess navigating that feminine space, like how do you find your position in it? And I guess what has the feedback been on your end? Yeah, I mean, I'm actually in a really like pertaining to sexual energy. I love that you asked that question because I actually just started a six month pleasure certification with the legend uh, Mama Gina. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She's the she's author. She's on the podcast in a couple of weeks. Yeah, she's yeah. so amazing. So I am like deep, deep in her pleasure certification. It's a six month course. And all of it is about like, you know, she's the author of a book called Pussy a Reclamation. And everything that she stands for is for women to really reconnect to their pleasure and desire and the power of their pussy. One of the things that she says is like, when you're connected to your pussy, like you live a powerful life. 
And I'm experiencing that so expansively firsthand right now, you know, week by week as I'm going through all of this, all of these different modules and all this information and all these rituals and practices. And so it's an interesting thing when you talk about sexual energy, because I think there's an element of, you know, what you would say as like the hungry ghost, like kind of just wild, like that sort of energy that you had referenced. What comes to mind when you had expressed that is where does that energy come from? It's like, what is actually the desire that is there beneath that energy? Is it something that's, I'm like fully in my pleasure and deliciousness of life. And so this is how I want to express and my pussy guides my life. Like, is it that kind of empowered expression or is it, I don't feel love for myself and I don't feel love, you know, in my community and my family and my atmosphere. So I want to find love in these ways that maybe if I express my sexual energy, I'll receive that maybe on Instagram, you know, maybe in public, whatever it may be. So it's like, it's kind of reconnecting to like, what's the why Mm -hmm. for the expression, you know, and same thing for like a puritanical expression where it's like, I'm only, you know, like I'm all right here. And, and I keep my sexual energy, like completely behind closed doors and, you know, whatever that may be, like, maybe the why is because, you know, there's probably a lot of wounding there, but also like, maybe the why is I want to be the good girl. And I want to hold that perception because that's how I received love when I was young. So it's like, there's such a full spectrum of how women's sexuality and embodiment and expression, well, how, how it all can express. And where I land on there, it's, you know, I feel like I'm moving into a space where I'm more of the really like free, unbridled, like I'm not holding anything back about my pleasure and my desire so that it makes other people feel comfortable or because I'm worried about how I will be judged for it or any of the projections that people might have about why I'm expressing it. Like, I'm in this season where I'm really just owning my pleasure and my desire for myself. And that's just going to look like what it's going to look like, you know? So Mm -hmm. like some days I might be like really out there and really wild and I might want to talk about it and share about it. And then other days, you know, my turn on might not totally be there. So it's, I feel like I'm constantly moving through the spectrum, but my ultimate my ultimate goal in my own feminine embodiment is for everything to all the way up and all the way down be fully authentic, like absolutely authentic. And if that means like, do I express my sexuality because I'm looking for validation or because I want to be seductive or whatever those things may be like, okay, like that's where I'm at and I can own that and I cannot shame myself for it, but I can have the awareness around it and understand if like, that's the place I want to operate from. Yeah, those are that's just kind of everything that was coming through. I know that was like a big, <laughs> no, big that full was, spectrum to your question, but no, it felt like is, it was very nuanced. <laughs> that was very, I mean, you nailed it. I think we all kind of move through that spectrum. And some days we're a lot more reserved and some days we're a lot more expressive. And to me, the frustrating thing is when you have people that have never met you telling you what your authentic expression is and they're saying 
you know, no, you, her dad must have left her if she's behaving yeah. this way or she must have low sense of self-worth if she's taking these pictures and putting them online. And it's like, no, your body can be a form of art and your expression of sexuality can be art. And like art is supposed to be shared. It's not something that's supposed to invoke shame. And that sure. has something to do with you, right? Like that's all of your projections that you're you're putting onto me. So Absolutely. I guess my, my next question would be, maybe you haven't had that conversation with yourself about authentic expression because I think that's what it comes down to wherever you want to land on that spectrum is just being authentic to who you are. Mm -hmm. How do you go about separating the ego and what is an authentic expression versus something mm -hmm. that's more counterfeit and something that's maybe being driven by a deficit? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's like, that's the really deep inquiry into self. You know, I mean, first and foremost, you have to have the willingness and the desire to know yourself on a deep level like that to actually be aware of like, you know, maybe there's some more wanting to be validated kinds of things going on. Or maybe this is actually just really true for me right now. Maybe like me being a seductress is like my biggest turn on. And, and that doesn't look like just seducing men. Like <laughs> I can seduce my husband. I can seduce something happening in my life. Like there's, it's a lot more full spectrum than that. But I mean, first and foremost, I would say that there has to be the inquiry into self to actually feel like you can even get to a place where you would have that understanding. And um, something that I'm learning about, you know, and this is speaking directly to women. I don't know how much this pertains to men other than, you know, if you have a partner, this could be really relevant information for them. But one thing that I'm learning in this pleasure certification is it is connecting me so intimately with pussy and pussy, not just as like a physical biological thing, but pussy as a portal to the divine pussy as the seat of your power pussy as the, you know, being that can bring the life into the manifest. And it's really connecting to this sense of listening to her and just allowing her to guide you to what your desires are like and at what is your pleasure and what do you want and if it feels genuinely good to her to be witnessed in your sexual energy and you want to go on Instagram and you want to do a <laughs> sexy video of you dancing and it's you're doing it for you and because it's your turn on for yourself like that is authenticity you know, and, and it is it is exactly as you said, and, and I've experienced this so much as well in so many realms of, you know, just having a following on social media and putting art out into the world. People love to come at you with their projections of what they think you're trying to do, you know, and part of that comes from wounding. And there's also a part of it that it's like there's so much distorted energy around sexuality that people actually don't even know what to believe. So when it's authentic, it's like that can't be authentic. Like I've never seen a woman who can actually embody like the full fuck of her sexual energy. So like she's just trying to get attention and, you know, get likes and get validation and, you know, all of that. And maybe that's the case, but maybe that's authentic. You know, so who is anyone to judge like where somebody else's desire or impulse to do something is? It's like, it's an interesting thing to contest with because I can really resonate on that level that it's, it's very frustrating to be 
seen or judged in a way that's really not at all what your embodiment is. And also, you know, the frustration that can be a response to that is potentially some part of you that is maybe in agreement or so afraid of judgment that it kind of like rocks you and shakes your center. And then again, like there lies your work to do to get so right within yourself that you are just unfuckwithable. Like, mm-hmm. go ahead, say everything you want. I know myself so deeply. I know the place that it's coming from and I don't need your approval. Like mm-hmm. that that feels to me like it is the authentic, powerful woman that this world needs so bad. And that's what I will always stand for and I will always you know, try to discover within myself. And, and we're, we're the feminine, like we wave between different emotions constantly. So we're not always going to be in that place of power, but it's like just having the patience and tenderness with self to be all of it. Mm -hmm. Where do you think the, whether it's like, it's intentional or it's subliminal people if you the more almost like the more sexual you are or the more into your feminine you are they automatically assume that you lack intelligence like for mm. some reason that is a huge common narrative so it's almost the sexy you are or the more like in your fuck that you are they're like well that's just where she defaulted to because there mm-hmm. there was nothing else to add like one of the i made the huge mistake of going through comment section of a podcast i was recently on today before we hopped on it i don't know why i would do that my husband's like why would you do that i was like i must be a masochist somewhere inside of there there's a masochist <laughs> and it's like why like listening to someone when they call you like a thought you know what i mean so mm-hmm. that's one of the great compliments of the internet, listening to her on morality or spirituality is living in the upside down world. And it's like, why? Because I'm owning sexuality, my sexuality and what that looks like for me. Does that automatically not make me human? That doesn't make me a whole person that's experienced life that maybe has a unique insight. Like I am just supposed to now exist in this one space to make you comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels like it's just, it's a symptom of this whole, like, cancel, cancel culture, like, culture that we're in right now, where everyone is so quick to tear down anybody for absolutely anything. And, and where I think that energy actually comes from is, like, that energy that happens, you know, in, like, what you were saying with when people kind of like put you in this container in this box. So it automatically means that like everything that you have to say isn't relevant. It -hmm. sounds very similar to, you know, and this might be a little bit of a a tender subject that I won't go into deeply, but it's like, you know, with everything that happened in this global awakening that happened over the last few years with COVID and the lockdowns, it's just like, if you're not a scientist, like nothing that you say matters, or, you know, it's just like this, like black or white, dualistic idea of how the world works without like allowing for there to be a spectrum in between. And it feels like there's a, there's a sense of safety when people can feel like a, like when things are black and white, you feel like you're more in control and you can like, and you can understand the world. And if it's anything outside of that, it almost can threaten your identity or your, you know, outlook on the world. And so it feels like, yeah, it feels like that energy that comes with that judgment 
the way that I was receiving it was it kind of requires a certain level of nuance when someone challenges preconceived notions of what that archetype is supposed to be. So yeah. it kind of gets into the Madonna whore complex, like that mm. age old adage where you can either be a sexual female or you can be a mother and you can't be both. And one of them, uh, it was, um, what was it? Our anniversary present. My husband got me this little statue, which I'm obsessed with. So it's the maiden, the mother, and the crone. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I love it so much because it's kind of you, it's the evolution of what a woman's life cycle is. And at, mm-hmm. you know, at the end, she still has part of that maiden in her. She still has like that little wildness and she still has that For sexuality. Sure. And we're not creating that division. You're allowed to be this complex individual that isn't, I guess, divided or fractured. And for some reason, a lot of people want that fracture is the way that I experience it. Yeah, for sure. Hey, everyone, this is new. So we are taking a quick break for a couple of sponsors. How exciting is that, that we have a couple sponsors for the podcast? So this is new. Please don't skip it. Just listen. It's cool stuff, I promise. So my first one is a small company called Ragnar's Rocks, and I'll make sure I have the link below. As you know, I love crystals and I get made fun of for it all of the time, but I'm I'm not going to change my ways and I'm going to stand by it. I truly believe in them and I think that they're beautiful, so sue me. But he sent me, I mean, how incredible is that? He sent me this beautiful amethyst. I've got this really cute rose quartz skull. All of this is on my table. You can't see, but when I start doing two cameras, you'll be able to see my little setup. And this cute little crystal Buddha, how adorable is he? Um, These bracelets are from there. I mean, I was really stoked to have him as a sponsor because this is right up my alley. So if you're into any crystals or you just want to check out the website, it's ragnarsrocks.com and um, I'll link that below. And the last affiliate, last sponsor, please don't skip. This one's a good one. So we all know the benefits of fasting. Well, my husband and I have used this company, Prolon, actually a couple of times. So I was really excited that they wanted to be an affiliate of the podcast. So if you want to try Prolon, it's a fasting mimicking diet. So you get all the benefits of a water fast and it's a lot easier because you get this delicious food instead of having to completely eat nothing. So you can try Prolon for $150 with the code Candice. Some of the claims for, and I mean, I say claims, but I'm going off of a script, guys. 60% of people that completed the fast had better energy, mental clarity, and focus. You'll definitely shed some LBs. I felt a ton lighter after doing it. It's cool to do difficult stuff, and obviously fasting is not easy, so it's kind of cool to see how you can kind of push it and get through something that you thought you might not be able to do. It's a lot easier than just doing a water cleanse. Um, and again, like you, I think the average here, yeah, People lose an average of 5.7 pounds and 1.6 inches off of their waistline. So as soon as I'm done breastfeeding, I'm doing one of these. And Eric's supposed to be starting anytime now. So we'll see when he decides to start. So I'll link that below. Again, if you want to try Prolon, you can try it for 150 bucks. Use code Candice. And let's return to the episode. And also, like something that came to mind as you were originally um, kind of posing the question is like, if you think about the ways that that women have been glorified in kind of like us growing up, like if you think of the Playboy days, it's like 
like women, it, like girl next door, like probably doesn't say too much is like really beautiful and blonde and innocent looking. And it's like, it's not really showcasing any of the depth of what it is to be the feminine. Like, where do you really see people talking about the brilliant nature of the magic that can come through a woman because she's so connected to the earth, because she's so connected to her sensing and her intuition. It's like what is glorified in culture is this is what woman looks like. And most of that is a totally disempowered embodiment or maybe not even disempowered, but like there's not a lot of substance and depth and expansiveness that's really celebrated, you know? Mm -hmm. Is, mm -hmm. is totally what I see. And, and, and imagining woman, like, I feel like we're growing up when, when I was young, or even when I went to college, it's like, there's this structure of how you move about life. Like you're a young girl who all young girls still want to be like the older girl and like grow up even and not experience their youth. I was definitely subject to that. And then you go to college, and then you're supposed to get married, and you're supposed to have kids. And then you raise your kids and it's just like, you're in this system that's just like, this is what you do as a woman. And, and over our lifetime, that shifted drastically where women were actually stepping. It felt like that was like a pendulum swing that was on this end. And then the pendulum swung the other way where women got very, very like almost aggressive into like being masculine, masculine. you know, which, which was, which I feel like was a necessary step to totally reclaim, you know, all of the power that had been all the ways that we'd been disempowered for so many years. And now it feels like it's shifting back where, where women are really recognizing the importance of feeling, you know, like there, there are elements of, of the feminine principle that is being, you know, intuitive and receptive and not in this energy of just like pushing so hard and like creating and, um, and uh, like being in this machine, but it's like, we're realizing how to come back more into some of that balance. And also with that balance, you're the full spectrum of the maiden, the mother and the crone. Like, I feel like I act like the greatest ridiculous inner child with my husband constantly. Like that part of me is so alive and how dare I let that young imaginative part of me die. Mm -hmm. There's also, a medicine woman in me who has been through an immense trauma and learned how to heal and alchemize it. And so I, I know with a gnosis so many things that have happened in my life and how I've worked my way through them and, and healed them. Does that make me an expert by book that I'm a psychologist or I have a PhD in this or that, or I study with this person? No, but I have a lot of wisdom because I went through the school of life and I know exactly what worked for me. And to, you know, look at any person merely from image and to dismiss that there's any depth there, it's probably coming from a place of just like woundedness with a feminine. Like I guarantee all of those people probably don't like women and ha probably have a lot of wounding with their mother. So it's interesting to see a beautiful woman and all women are beautiful, but, you know, a particular image of a woman who has a lot of depth, who has a lot to say, who has a lot of power and to be like, I don't like that sense of power in the feminine because I hate the feminine or, you know, I feel like I don't feel safe with women who are powerful. So I have to like, you know, bring that down and contain it into a box. Like it feels like that all comes from woundedness, but can be, you know, it's, I, I resonate too with just going through comments or, 
things like that sometimes when people are just like absolutely cruel and it 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 feels really jarring to even understand like what 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 is the purpose you know mhm what absolutely and again i don't recommend going through the comments to anybody but don't. there's <laughs> there, there's times where i do it and i think maybe it's me just trying to tech like check the temperature of my own self like how mm-hmm at peace am I with all of my decisions and everything that's out there? And then if something does bother me, I immediately say, well, like, what wound is that touching? And sometimes I can't find it. And I'm like, no, maybe. And I think this doesn't get talked enough, especially maybe in more of the mystic side of content. Maybe someone is just being so cruel and like that cruelty is just hard to see. And that's also possible. And I think that's something I'm trying to like adopt and actually feel because my immediate responses, okay, well, what's it in me that I have to work on if that's bothering me? And I'm like, no, sometimes things are just so ugly that it's it's difficult to see. And when you see someone like had the audacity to say that, it's like, man, yeah, I, like that you're just lacking humanity and you're taking mine or trying to take mine away from me. For sure. I think with all of that, I wanted to get into, so there was this podcast I was listening to and it was kind of talking about the power of the divine feminine and how how much can manifest and be shaken by a woman that's just like truly sitting in that position and something mm-hmm. that culture and traditional religion did was recognize that power and make us forget. So make us forget our own power and our own divinity in that mm-hmm. way. And then they tried selling us one path forward, which was this puritanical path. And it, the thing that I really dislike about it is it teaches young women that there is something that can be taken away from you and if that thing is taken away from you you're no longer of worth or you are at you're worth a lesser value because now that thing is gone which is mm-hmm. your virginity and mm-hmm. the way i think for me that kept me in a really bad relationship for far too long because that was my narrative the boy that took took my virginity now i had to stay with him and he mm-hmm. came from a really religious upbringing and like, no, you can't take anything from me. Like all of that is mine. Um, yeah. And, you know, the process of reclaiming it was really powerful. So I think that there can be a lot of harm when it comes to that narrative. I'm curious what your take is on the like the role of purity within sexuality, because there's this idea that it has to be monogamous. It has to be within within marriage. It has to be the man leading it. Like women aren't allowed to ask for it because we're not, you know, mm-hmm. in our fuck, as as you would say. Yeah. Um. So, like, what is the role of purity and that idea of pureness when it comes to sexuality? I mean, I there's a part of me that just wants to just blatantly say, "Fuck all of that." to be totally frank and all the ways that you know our world has shamed women for their greatest sense of power is like it's mind-blowing and I think that that is our you know our purpose as women is to fully reclaim that so first I would say fuck all of that (laughs) and also you know one thing that I've had to learn throughout my life and along my spiritual path you know i've i've done a lot of work with plant medicine and psychedelics i've had a lot of really really profound healings um in those spaces and the the purity the only thing that i can really relate to in that sense is you know i have had a lot of 
sexual experiences with former partners, actually people who weren't partners, that I have had to heal the kind of energy that I took on from those transactions. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, you know, being the feminine as a, as a woman who has a pussy, um, you know, and there are, I think it's always important to say, particularly because of the greater conversation that's happening in the world, like we all have masculine and feminine energy within us. And some men identify as you know, their their polarity being the feminine, and so this is like a conversation that is fully honoring of all of that. But for for the feminine, we are in this experience of this expression of receptivity, and so when you are with a partner, you know who is the masculine, and you're actually taking their energy into your body, they're physically going up into your first and second chakra, and if there isn't a level of awareness there as to why you are doing that. So this is maybe where you could kind of use that sense of purity. Like Mm -hmm. if, if you're an awareness that I feel broken right now, like my heart is broken. I just got screwed over, cheated on, you know, whatever it may be. And you're in awareness that like, I might be having this experience sexually because it feels good to my broken heart. Mm -hmm. And you have awareness around that Mm -hmm. and you have the experience and it may be beautiful. Maybe you never talk to them, whatever. The awareness is the purity because you know exactly what your reason is for your desire. The, where you get a lot of um, distorted energy around your sexual energy is if I feel broken and my heart hurts and then I just like reach for the validation of something else to like give me you know, the satiation of love that I need in that moment, but I'm not aware of the reason why I'm doing it. If it's completely unconscious, that's Mm -hmm. where you get a lot of stuff that happens in your energy body, where you can take on energy, you may really have to like clean and clear that out later, because the, the transaction isn't in awareness. Does that make sense? No, it does. I've heard the idea of it's very similar to how you described because the woman like the feminine energy is it's like it's open and it's surrendering and it's allowing for for penetration essentially, right? So yeah. with that exchange if there's not a conscious awareness around it that you can get like these quote attachments, like energetic attachments from whoever you're with. So when you're making these decisions, like let's say you're someone that's um, more sexually adventurous and I hate using the word promiscuous, but like mm-hmm. promiscuous, um, is there a <laughs> way to consciously make that those decisions and those actions to prevent these kind of negative atta- like attachments or exchanges? Yeah. Like, is there a med? It's going to sound woo to some people, but like, yeah. you know, meditation or just some kind of conscious awareness that you have before doing that. So I can only speak, you know, I am not God, goddess on this, you know, particular, I can't tell, I can't specifically say the way that this works. However, I know exactly how it has worked in my own life. So I will just share the story of that. So all of the healing that I've had to do around my sexuality were all around very toxic relationships that I had. There was a lot of energy of not reverence for me or my body. I wasn't respecting and honoring myself. Like there was just a lot of disempowered and not choosing me kind of energy in those experiences. And so 
And those ones had, they came with a lot of hooks where it was like, you know, I hate you and then make up sex. And it's just like the kind of like toxic back and forth. Like those are the things that I've had to deeply heal around my sexuality. Because I think in those experiences, there was a sense of betrayal of me with myself mm-hmm. and a sense of betrayal with the masculine principle that I was welcoming into my physical vessel and my energy body. I went through a period when I was uh, probably like 29. I had always been in relationships my whole life and had only ever really understood intimacy from a very, you know, devoted in a relationship kind of lens. And so I decided for six months or so that I wasn't going to date anybody because whenever I dated people, I would immediately get in another two year long relationship. And I was just like, I'm, I'm done being a serial monogamist and like continuing (laughs) to go through this cycle. So I decided to take this period where I just want to know sex from a totally transactional kind of lens. Like, and I was very straightforward and honest with the people that I met that it was like, I called it my hit it and quit it period. Like I would meet them and maybe there would be a vibe. I worked in nightlife at the time. So it was like really easy to meet guys. (laughs) And, you know, I would maybe vibe with somebody and I would just be really authentic. Like, I don't want to go to breakfast with you tomorrow morning. I don't want to get your number after tonight. I'm very like in this totally like liberate, like this liberating of my sexual expression moment right now. And that's really, you know, if, if there's the resonance that it gets there, like amazing. And if not, whatever, but like, this is, this is where I'm at. This is just authentically like what my desire is. And if you want to meet that desire, great. If not, like I'll keep it stepping. So, I mean, I went through the six months and I had some wild, incredible experiences. And I think because I made that declaration to myself and ultimately to the universe, I attracted the most like incredible men to play with. It was like (laughs) super, it was, it was, it was very liberating, but it was also very empowering because for the first time I took full authority over my own sexuality and didn't sit and said like, I'm not having sex with a man to please a man or to maintain my relationship because this is how we can feel deeper intimacy or whatever it may be. I'm doing this entirely for me. And if people want to show up to what my needs are and desires are in this moment, like, fuck yeah. If not, whatever. I'm, I'm just like, this is all, I'm doing this all for myself right now. Of every single medicine journey I have ever done, I have never had to clean energy up from that time of my life. Not a sing- it's never come up a single time. I've even tried to like actively go into that time period to see if there's like stuff there that, you know, that that's just dissonant with my soul and there's and there's been absolutely nothing. So again, I feel like the the purity aspect instead of looking at it as, you know, I have to be this way because the world says this, this, and this, because my bishop or religion says I should be this, 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 and this. And and like, just, if you want to abide by those things, like total honor and, and respect for your own personal choices. And if you want to really be in your own power, like for one, have the awareness of, of your why, like, why am I doing this for me? I needed to understand, like I needed to have a one night stand for one time in my life (laughs) so that I didn't, you know, 
end up married and ever wondering like I didn't experience something, you know? And and just the just the the, the I think the purity is the awareness around why is is the awareness around the why. I I think it's like a I think that's actually a really beautiful reframe instead of I can only be pure if I am a virgin. And I mean even the idea of wearing white on your wedding day to symbolize purity like I was not a virgin when I got married, you know, like we got, we, my husband and I got married at Burning Man. Um, we did a Burning Man wedding this, this past year. And I was like, I don't want to wear white. I want to wear red because like, I feel like the space that I'm stepping into is this like wild, powerful, different embodiment. That's not like shaming myself for anything that I've been. That's not trying to be anything that anyone wants me to be, but I'm just being radically myself, right? And I ultimately think, you know, I I'm in the most unimaginably beautiful, blessed, rapturous, just oh my god, just divine marriage ever. And I think that it took, you know, the 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 healing and the full reclamation of all of those parts of me all of the parts of me that had really toxic relationships and had a lot of healing work to do. The part of me that was totally liberated and free that had the most wild sexual adventures for six months when I was in my late twenties to really just welcoming all of myself. And, and I really truly feel that that was how I then became the magnet to call in my, the greatest partner that like, I literally couldn't have dreamed it better to have a better partner. So. yeah, I think I think I think the invitation is just a deeper inquiry into like what is really authentic for me and go for it. Like be brave enough to to go for it and not let everyone else's voices, not like your the church's voice or your parents' voice or, you know, your former partner's voice and all these people who are judging you, telling you you should be some way, like fuck their shoulds. Like don't should me. Like I'm deeply meeting myself and that's going to look like whatever is true for me. Exactly. I love that reframe. I really love that reframe because I couldn't help but think of my very first sexual experience. So when I first lost my virginity and I get so frustrated at that younger girl because I had, I was, you know, in a monogamous relationship for years with this guy and he was cheating on me and I, you know, that wasn't enough for me to end it. Finally, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And he's like, okay, he goes to leave. And then I almost like weaponized that sex and that card in order to, quote, save that relationship. So I was like, no, Mm. I'll do this thing that I haven't given you. And maybe that'll make him love me. Maybe that'll make me better than these other these other girls. And to me, when you ask about your why, or we're talking about that reframe of purity, like that's not pure. That's not coming from an authentic, like healed place. That's coming from a very, from a deficit. That's absolutely from a deficit. And then there have been times where my husband was actually my first one night stand. Um, (laughs) I was going through through a phase two where I was like serious, like serial monogamous. I just, I always had to date the guy I was with. And it's like, I want to really experience what this is like, this other flavor. And Mm -hmm. so we slept together and I was like, I don't want your number. 
don't yeah. call me. Like, this is it. I have to take a cab home. He ends up asking everyone at the bar how to get in touch with me. And then, you know, through a very long journey of ups and downs, we ended up um, getting married. But if you compare that, <laughs> that quote, impure one night stand to the, you know, me losing virginity, my virginity to a longtime monogamous yeah. boyfriend, which yeah. one is more authentic and pure and light and healed? Yeah. And and which one is coming from your own sense of desire and power? Like one, the initial one, which I feel like so many people, not even just women, I'm sure men as well can resonate with. And that was all of my healing work around sexuality was, I want you to love me so bad. So I will give myself to you in this way when I wasn't ready for it. Maybe when I wanted to say no you know, just like not having any sense of, of truth or power to really like understand, you know, how to, how to navigate sexuality and relationship from a conscious place. But then when you go to the space of like, okay, like in my reclamation, in my power, in my desire, one night stand and how, and how that ended up turning out for you. So people, I'm sure will want to say, listen to these girls talking about being slutty and one night stand. Well, like ultimately, if you look at, if you look at, I love when people say stuff like that, because I'm living the most extraordinary life. And my North star is always to be the most free, to be the most free in my body, to be the most free in the world. And whatever it takes to get me there, like that's, that's where I'm headed. So you can project all of your fear and ways that my embodiment is threatening your own identity of yourself and and everything that, you know, and I guess having compassion to everything that they probably haven't had the tools to, you know, go on that inner inquiry, like, um, but nonetheless, like, that whole path of going through all of that is what landed me exactly here. And, and my husband and I getting together, you know, he was in a polyamorous relationship for like eight years. And both of us have experienced prior to, you know, coming into union, like a full spectrum of relating to relationship and sexuality. So like, uh, we are so like, it's like been there, done that, like, we're so satiated with each other's, you know, love and, and intimacy. And it's like, I feel like it was all perfect. And, you know, it, it's, it's a bummer for people who, who feel too afraid to allow themselves to kind of just like fall into something that might not be the most comfortable. Like it's actually really brave, I think. Right. And then there's something so beautiful on the other side too, because if you're not stepping into that authenticity and that thing that you really want to do or express, then you don't even know if it's a possibility because you've already closed the door before you've, you know, given yourself or maybe your partner that option. I definitely wanted to get into um, that polyamory because I thought there it's almost like you think you know where your ceiling is and you think that you know where you exist amongst the average as far as couples go or maybe where your jealousy goes or the way that you look at love. So I don't know how much background you have on me or not, but I was in the adult industry for like over a decade. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I also kind of had to navigate that. Like, what does that look like? And for me, I saw a lot of women that kind of compartmentalized it. So they had to be monogamous, like the husband or boyfriend had to be monogamous, but then they were in film. 
And I was mm-hmm. like, that's not fair. And that's not how I want to explore this. I want the same rules for everybody. So mm-hmm. we navigated that. It wasn't always easy. There were certainly tears and fights. And I think we came out on the other side so empowered and fortified, like we were forged mm-hmm. through that experience. And I think it, I can't speak for him, but it certainly showed me the truth behind unconditional love. Like, oh, it's, yeah. our love is not conditional on like you behaving a certain way or me feeling a certain way. It's like, no, we have gone through <laughs> the most extreme cases and I love yeah. you even more for it. And I love you yeah. for how you show up and like help me process things and how, you know what I mean? It's just, you really see each other and how you show up. That's a long-winded introduction to me saying, I watched your podcast um, (laughs) with Aubrey and Caitlin Uh and I'm like, oh, who's this other girl that's on the podcast? And then I find (laughs) out it's his ex-fiance and I had never met you before, right? But I found myself like defending (laughs) you and (laughs) who does she think she is for being on this show and like just (laughs) watching it unfold. And then I see the love that you have for her and how real that was. And I was like, you can transcend whatever it is you're feeling if you want. And I thought I had reached this really cool level of not being jealous and being free and open. And then I see you, Aubrey and Caitlin, and then that dynamic. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, they just transcended (laughs) something that I'm still working on. I was like, I don't know how I would process like you meeting an ex-fiance and being, you know what I mean? It just challenges so many so much of your identity and what you think that you have ownership over. So that was, I say, want to say thank you because that's thank you. Me a good opportunity for growth. Yeah, um, one of the you. number one questions I get is transcending and maybe that's the wrong word, but or or just understanding jealousy. So what was that process like for you? Because you had mentioned having toxic relationships and being cheated yeah. on. And um, some people would say like going from that to being able to be be with someone who, you know, was polyamorous and is still best friends with his ex-fiance is impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I believe anything is possible if, if you really do the work, you know, to to heal yourself. Um, but like, wow, it's a big, that's a big journey. I'll try to feel into <laughs> where to go with that. It's funny that you mentioned Caitlin because Caitlin and I, other than her being Aubrey's ex-fiance that was actually like so long ago that it was pretty you know like that had been completed their relationship so long ago that I actually met Caitlin when I met Aubrey and Caitlin at the same time so I I met them together and they were like really really good friends then so that wasn't so confronting however Caitlin and I were in a dance in a former relationship of mine where I was in a monogamous relationship with my partner who began falling in love with her. And so we were in a dance for like about a year that was, you know, one of the most difficult years of my life because it it definitely wasn't something that I wanted. I didn't have any desire to be polyamorous and yet the situation was what it was. They both had feelings for each other. So my my the depth of where I have gone with that woman is so far beyond what I have done with almost really any other person because it brought up all of the deepest sister wounds and dissonance that I have had with the feminine for my entire life since I was a child and my wounding with the feminine began. And so I can really, really resonate with the sense of unconditional love because she taught me that. Like there were points where 
you know, we like hate is such a strong word, but just that like rage, disgust, like fuck you energy that's just like dark and insidious, but just like inescapable because your 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 nervous system and like it just feels so devastating mm-hmm. um to feel so threatened by another woman. And that had been, you know, my whole life of always feeling like I wasn't chosen because all of my former partners cheated and lied and, you know, went through all of that. So like my detest for the feminine was so strong because I've never been able to trust the feminine. It's like, this is my relationship and you know, I'm with them and yet you still choose to sleep with them and do whatever. So like I had a lot to work through in that situation. And ultimately, you know, after going through all of it, um, realized that like unconditional love is not just when you love somebody because it's easy. Like if you can really, really deeply love somebody through that kind of shit, like that's unconditional love. So I'm sure as you witnessed, our relationship is the most like I trust in it more than anything because we've been to the depths of hell and back with each other. Um, But in that dynamic, you know, the jealousy was so amplified. And particularly because like I, I've, I've been working through even recently, this construct within myself that's very connected to perfectionism, but also this sense of like, I want to be the best. I want to be the best at anything I put my mind to. I want to be the most beautiful. I want to be the most loved. I want, it's like this very subtle thing that is being shown to me in um, some of my medicine ceremonies where like so much of the way that I operate is with that construct, which is, it's a really sad thing because it completely robs you of being the brilliance of your most unique self. Um, And it's very subtle at this point in my life, but just very authentically, that's something that I've been witnessing and, and working through. But beneath that is like absolute jealousy if, if, if you're not the best at something. And, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I'm sure many oh, people yeah. have experienced this. Like you measure yourself up to how many followers, followers somebody else might have or, you know, maybe podcast listens or like measuring, opening up your Instagram and, oh, this post only got that much likes. Like it's like all these feelings of inadequacy and like not enoughness and like when there is something else that threatens your sense of safety with feeling like you're the best at something, jealousy is absolutely at play. Like, why did they give her more love and attention that they're giving me? Like, what does that say about me? Does that mean I'm not enough? And then all of the self-judgment and self-criticism that happens within your own field and how that just like propagates more of the same. Like, I have not been innocent to that in my life. Like, I feel like, the former part of my life where I was not living very consciously and didn't have a lot of self-awareness that I want to be the best came forward in like appearance and beauty and being like, I have to look a certain way when I go out and always put on makeup and like always feel like I, you know, can walk into a room and I feel more confident because this, 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 this. So I feel like a long time ago through my spiritual path, I transcended that need to feel like I want to be better than anyone in physical appearance, appearance or physical fitness. And I really shifted into like really falling in love with the entirety of myself or my natural beauty. Like I'm starting to wear my hair more curly, which I've always hated my whole life. Like 
just things where I'm actually doing things for me. And then ultimately, because, um, you know, the, the more recent identity that I recognize within myself is, you know, I'm, I'm a medicine woman, I do sound healing, and I do energy work, and I do a bunch of different types of healing modalities. And then noticing where I have been in competition with another sister of mine who I absolutely adore and is like so powerful and so magical, but watching this tiny little insidious voice that's like, you know, if Aubrey might ask for her opinion versus mine, somehow that like impacts me and makes me feel like a sense of not enoughness or jealousy and, and, you know, everything that comes with that. So I have experienced, I'm still to this day coming into more and more and more awareness as to where those types of things are at play. And it's perfect that you asked that question because this is so ripe for me. And what I can see is like the, as I said before, when you are in competition with anybody, when you are measuring yourself up to anybody else, you are robbing yourself of being the full spectrum and full radiance of your uniqueness that only you can be. There cannot be another me on this planet that can, you know, express the medicine and the codes that I have to offer with my embodiment, with, you know, anything that I'm coming forward with. Like, I'm the only one that can be me on this planet. So how dare I try to be like anybody else? How dare I compare myself to anybody else and criticize myself for not being enough or for not being as well known or for not being as well loved or, you know, um, yeah, just looking at anyone else and, and creating that as a measure of self. That's something that I am, you know, I, I feel like I've, I've done a lot of beautiful things in my life. And there's still a lot of parts of me that are broken and healing that I'm, I'm trying to learn how to navigate. So, you know, this isn't something that I'm super proud of. But if it can help anyone else to see that, like, I have all of that same stuff, like I'm not any different. And the way to the way to that I've found to work with jealousy is one, do not make yourself like a piece of shit for it. Like, don't make yourself wrong for it. Don't reject yourself for it and be like, oh, I can't be jealous because that's like an ugly girl thing to do. Or that's like a stupid thing to do. Like if anyone sees me as jealous, like, you know, I'm going to die. Like there's like so much of that energy for one. It's just to be an acknowledgement, like that's there. And I see the wounded place of me that doesn't feel like she's good enough because life has always, you know, there has been so much wounding in my life that I haven't really felt the full ability to look deeply into myself and love myself for everything. And part of really connecting to your own sense of your raw uniqueness, as my teacher would say, like your unique facet in the diamond of God. That is you that can only be you at this time in the cosmos and always you're the only one that can do that. And if you can connect to that and have a sense of love for like your full spectrum, you'll see, you'll watch that the jealousy starts to fall away and not from a sense of it just goes away. But when you start to have the awareness around when you're playing out those programs in your, in your thought patterns, you have the choice to start to navigate to something different. Like instead of seeing my dear sister who I love and she's just like getting fucking loved on and she has so many more followers than me like fuck yeah like go 
go, go. The world deserves to hear your voice. The world deserves to receive your magic and your wisdom. And that doesn't have to mean anything about me. And it doesn't mean anything about me. That's kind of like shifting and navigating into more of an empowered place where you're not rejecting yourself. You're calling all parts of yourself back in and you're just choosing from awareness to do something differently. Mm -hmm. No, that's beautiful. I wanted to ask, so I guess through those experiences and then you and Aubrey's relationship evolving, what did, like, did you have to reestablish what intimacy was or to kind of, yeah, I guess reestablish or rediscover intimacy? Because I know for me, that was something that I didn't know was really missing. I often conflated that sexual energy as obviously being intimate, which mm-hmm. it's not. Like intimacy mm-hmm. doesn't have to be sexual and not all sexuality mm-hmm. is intimacy. So really, I mean, even as of now, like so we recently had our second baby and like reconnecting after that. <laughs> reconnecting after that is is really difficult and like reestablishing that intimacy. And we've been together for over a decade and it's like there's you can still go deeper. Like there's always deeper that you can go with somebody. So mm-hmm. what are some practices, if you're willing to share that kind of keep that intimacy and that connection alive? Uh between my husband and I. Yeah. Yeah. So we actually like in the world of our priorities, our highest priority in our relationship is to be in Eros with each other. And so that's like literally being in Eros is like being on the inside of the inside of each other's experience. And so intimacy can take many different forms. Like if it like his Aubrey's love language, you know, he's not a gifts person or words of affirmation, but it is so meaningful to him for like to receive acts of service where I can actually anticipate something that he might need and provide that for him before he knows that he needs it. It like literally lights him up and he'll turn into like a puppy dog and just follow me around all over the place. Like (laughs) that's a form of intimacy is, is really taking the time to see through your partner's eyes and and speaking to them from their own love language like for me like i am all about physical affection like that's me my too. absolute number 1 like i need it 24/7 i smother the <laughs> shit out of him all the time but like if i'm washing the dishes and he comes up behind me and just holds me and just like just holds me and kisses me on the neck like even for a second it literally changes my entire day you know <laughs> it's like those tiny things where they're seeing into you and what would make you feel so alive and in love um, and just, you know, making that a priority. So that's like a simple non-sexual way that you can be in intimacy. It from a sexual lens, you know, we and it's different because I'm not a mother yet. So I can't even possibly imagine what it is like to be a designated caring, like <laughs> powerhouse of, of a you know, feminine expression of mother. Like I don't know that yet. I'm excited in the next year or so we're gonna um we're gonna start trying to start our family oh, but um thank you Exciting. yeah eventually, eventually we'll get there right now we have these crazy cats who love disrupting <laughs> and taking all the attention from everything another practice that we use in our relationship is like we make our sexual intimacy a priority like the same way i would schedule this podcast or he would take a meeting about a really you know important 
business thing. Like we schedule out and block out time for us to have date nights, like preferably on the weekly. Sometimes our life gets so busy that it's really difficult to maintain that. But like we can feel once we have like let that priority, you know, kind of take a back seat and both of us feel like a little bit of like, it's easy to get in a rhythm of just operating day to day. Like I'm so busy all day long and then I'm tired and then I don't really feel like it, but it's like, no, like we refuse to allow our intimacy and our sexual, like erotic energy to die Mm -hmm. and not to be made priority because it's, it's felt, it's really, really easy to get in rhythms and patterns, particularly when you've been together for a long time. You know, we haven't been together for a decade, but we've been together for three years and we're very used to each other. So you know, would it be easy to just be comfortable and like, not make that a priority for sure. And we'd still be happy, but we would be missing out on like the deeper layers of expansion and touching God that we get to do when we are intimate. And, you know, sometimes so like, our date nights, we create some sense of novelty. When we go into a date night, like I will get new lingerie, and maybe I'll come up with this scene that is creating you know, something that we haven't fully experienced before. Um, maybe it's something that's like, you know, his kink or his like things that I know just like really do it for him. Or, and, and maybe sometimes it's more focused on me and kind of like doing that dance between the two, but making it a priority, like it's taking your kids go- to school. Like it's like a, it's, it's, it's a non-negotiable and we treat it as that. And it's been really helpful for us because you know, he's a man with a very insatiable desire. And I think, I think for me, up until being in this Mama Gina course, where I'm like, so activated in my own pleasure and desire, like every single day from like, all these different rituals and, and, you know, practices of of dance and, and meeting, you know, our own, like rage and grief within us, all these things that are just like keeping me really alive in my body. I feel like, my desire is more insatiable recently, but prior to being so in touch with my my pleasure and my pussy, um, I felt like it it was easy for me to just kind of get out of the rhythm of like, okay, well, he he has a lot of desire. So like, we're going to make our sexual chemistry like a priority. Um, but now it's actually me meeting him in those desires where I actually am claiming for myself, like, this is my fantasy right now. And, you know, offering that and allowing that to be how we go about our next date night. But ultimately, yeah, just just making it making it a priority. And also, you know, there's, there's a book that will come out eventually by Aubrey and his teacher, uh, Mark Gaffney, that talks about, um, like these seven different levels of sexing that you can do. And it's going to be a really, really great map and guide and tool book. And it just kind of gives you like a full landscape of there's not one kind of sexing. And particularly like, I think, I think the way that we look at having sex is very like linear. It's very masculine. It's like, okay, let's, you know, do our date night laundry. And then, then we start having sex and you get me off and then you get off and then like, we're done. It's like, there's always a goal and an aim that like, it's going to orgasm. There's this other way of sexing where it's like what um, Gaffney would call circle sexing, where it's more feminine, where you're not being intimate to get anywhere. You're actually like totally taking that off the table 
And instead, you're allowing yourself to be so fully present in the moment that you're in such a space of deep listening that it's not even about orgasm at all. You might not, you, you might not get there. And maybe the intention is actually not to get there because what you can do is you like build this tumescence and charge in your body where it's like maybe it's more sensual and tender, but it just lends the space for like everything to be heard and the more subtle energies of desire and pleasure to be accessed. And for me right now, I think because I've been so, I've been so used to linear sexing and it's like, I know how to do that. Like I know exactly where my buttons are. I know exactly what positions and we can continue to like ride that ride and and it'll be great. But like, do we want to deepen and expand our intimacy? So like, why don't we try these other things? Like, why don't we go into it where it starts with a little bit of like touch and maybe one person is blindfolded and maybe there there's some beautiful music on and you're like, rubbing them with a rose and then and then like you know gently kind of like drawing more and more pleasure energy but just for the sake of it not because you need to have an orgasm and what you'll find at least for me is i get like so turned on and so excited because it actually almost feels like it almost feels like teasing or it's like building up the tension to where i mean pretty often like we like sometimes we won't fully go to climax, but it's like, there's just like so much build and energy and charge to be doing it with a different intention and in a different way that it's just so exciting. Like you just can't not, if that makes sense. <laughs> and what a, what a great way to like truly be present and to rediscover your partner, especially after you've been with someone for so long, because when you get through that, when you start finding yourself going through the motions and you're like, okay, we're going to start here. We're going to end here. We're going to do this in between. And it's just so robotic. Like you're mm -hmm. not actually in your body and you're definitely not really connecting on any real like spiritual or like for sure level. And it's and so easy to be there. It is. It really, really is. It's just, it's a rhythm. It's like going to work. You know, mm -hmm. you just like create the same kind of like pathways in your brain that it's just like, I know exactly where this is going. And, and it's not that it's boring. It's still intimate and it's beautiful. But like, my desire is always to expand into like more, like what is, what is like, raw and juicy and delicious and just different than what we know. And and one thing that I would offer for for women that's been more recent for me is like I've actually never taken the time to get clear about like what are my fantasies and what are my like what are my desires? Like really like just giving yourself the full permission to like sit down with a journal or your laptop and like I actually a practice that I've been using recently because I in Mama Gina's course is like I literally like put my hand on my pussy and I just ask her like, what is exciting to you, you know, and just like allow myself to listen. And I've actually been coming forward and claiming what my desires are. And that turns me on, you know, there's like, I have a huge, I actually have a, a huge fantasy of like seducing. And so it's like, kind of like using my own body as his tumescence where like, maybe I'm kind of like strip dancing and it's like, he can't touch me yet. But like something about that really turns me on. And I, I recognize that from my younger years of like, what, what was I actually getting out of those experiences? And, and I realize it's actually a big turn on me to be like a seductress. And mm -hmm. so um, just getting clear about like, 
for women, I don't think we very often ask like, what does it for me? You know, men have such an appetite and a hunger that it's, it's really easy to just get into like pleasing what they need. And I think women don't realize is actually like, like a real man wants to please the goddess. Yes. They want to please the goddess. Like, you know, there's a man that you want to be intimate with in that way wants to please the goddess. And when you can feel that from them, it's like this charge of energy that builds that you're like, wow, I've been married with the most amazing man for three years. And somehow our sex and intimacy keeps getting better and better and better and better because I'm taking so much time to get deeply in touch. And you'll talk about this with Mama Gina. I'm sure she'll share share practices and experiences and all of this and like just deeply profound and needed like rituals and, and, and just everything that she's doing. Like it, I, it's so important what her medicine is for, for, for women to really like meet themselves deeply. It's, it's bringing me a lot of things that I didn't really even know that I needed. So I'm happy to be speaking from that place of like experiencing firsthand how important it is to really get in touch with self and like be in the inquiry of like, what are my deepest needs, desires, fantasies, and feeling worthy of asking for them. Mm-hmm. No, that's so powerful. And it, I, anything, it's an energy like anything else. So it's almost the more that you neglect it or kind of push it off to the side, the harder it is to re-engage in that or to mm-hmm. step back into it. And I learned a crazy fact the other day. So I, I'm going to women's PT for like pelvic floor stuff. My vagina doesn't think it's safe out there for some reason. So I just hold a lot of tension. So we're doing yeah. like a lot of release work. But if you neglect that part of your body, your clitoris will actually start to atrophy. Like no, that's no. real. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. why does every woman not know this? That's yeah. huge. That can yeah. affect the rest of your life. For so you sure. should absolutely prioritizing your pleasure and really um, trying to discover what it is that you that turns you on and getting to a place where you're comfortable enough to share that with your partner because, I mean, more often than not, he's probably going to be super excited about it. We do we try to do the same thing, like scheduling date nights at least a week if we can. And one of my favorite exercises that I tell people, and I discovered it through like this uh, postpartum book, and it was kind of saying the importance of reestablishing intimacy and getting like confident in your body and rediscovering fantasy was like creating a sexual buffet. So like (laughs) each of you has a piece of paper and like do this on date night. I like you will not regret it. And you you have a piece of paper, definitely get some wine or something. And you (laughs) write down every single fantasy that you either want to explore, have explored, have been curious about and just do it without judgment get as crazy as you want and yeah. then the bold part is switching papers and then <laughs> reading your partners and seeing if there's any crossover yeah. or what you want to explore and then maybe like this week I work off of my list and then next week I work off of his list and it's just yeah. a really fun way to bring novelty and like spiciness into a relationship that For doesn't sure. involve anything crazy like bringing you know, other people, if you're not comfortable or poor, comfortable, it's just a way to kind of reignite that little ember. Oh yeah. And it's, and the, and the beautiful thing about that practice as a reflection is it's also bringing forward honesty, you know, 
like if you're just allowing yourself, like if you're giving both of you the permissibility to be able to express like whatever feels the most ripe in that moment and not meaning that you need to act on it, right? Like one thing that is absolutely gorgeous about my marriage is like we talk about everything. Like if it is my highest excitement in a moment to potentially explore with another man, you know, it's, it's something that we sit down and talk about, but like, there's an openness to be able to have any conversation. And, you know, through those conversations, we've had really beautiful experiences with, with lovers. Cause there's an aspect of me, of, of my own sexuality that I haven't fully explored in my life because I've always been very unsafe, uh, of just like my own desire to love the feminine, you know, mm-hmm. and that's really like, that's, really ripe for me and alive in my body. And um, it's funny because when I speak about that, so many, (laughs) I've had so many women reach out to me on Instagram and and it comes from a good place, but with the projections of like how he convinced me to do what he wants and like all these things (sighs) that I'm like, I don't even want to answer because first of all, there's a part of me that feels offended that they don't see me as enough in my power to be able to discern whether that is my need or his need. And I'm just like, giving him what he wants and like how dare he manipulate me and convince me da 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 like no I've actually like my inquiry into my own pleasure and my desire that I got super clear about with myself is like like how does my body feel if you know I'll have a I'll have a vision of like being with you know a man that I know that I'm attracted to that I really trust in is like what does that feel like it's like it'd be beautiful. And I, I love them and it would be safe, but like, it doesn't make me super excited. Then I think of like a random guy that's like, you know, the hot guy I saw on Instagram or something like that. Like it could be cool, but like, it doesn't make me that exciting. And that it doesn't make me that excited. And then feeling into like experiences with the feminine and my body, like totally lighting up and being super excited. So because of our openness and honesty and willingness to like really be fully authentic with each other and express our needs and desires. We've had some really powerful experiences. And um, also to add to that, like, I'm, I'm very, very blessed with an extraordinary man. He has, he has really like expressed to me in many moments that his expression of his sexuality and his eros is fully in my hands. Like I hold all the power I hold all the gates to be able to welcome in experiences or completely shut it off for the rest of our lives. Like I hold that power in our relationship and something so beautiful about that for any men who are listening, something that is so, so beautiful about that is when you hold that sense of power, which I I feel like many men would be like, wuss, like that's weak. That's, you know, this, that, (laughs) and whatever. Holding that sense of power in my hands over like a brilliant, successful, powerful, divine masculine, I could not ever abuse that sense of power. So my openness maybe even to experiences that would, you know, be more, more so his highest, highest excitement than mine. And like pushing that edge into like, okay, like, let's see, let's see what this is about. And then recognizing through those experiences, like I am so unbelievably turned on by his pleasure. I don't even need to be in the mix and it's like so delicious and exciting to me and like I'm a total voyeur so everyone can know that 
but like, you know, <laughs> we're, we're in the openness of just discovering whatever feels like the most true for us. And that's how we navigate about our relationship. And for people who like feel threatened by that, I could totally understand three years ago, I would never have been, you know, receptive to a conversation like this or somebody saying that to me. And again, you know, going back to what we said earlier, my desire is always to be the most free. So if I can walk in any room and I know my king is looking at me like the queen of the freaking cosmos, and maybe he could think another woman is beautiful, but like I am like, I mean, the, the way that he is in love with me because of the experiences that we've had and, and, and my, my willingness to um, enter these spaces that I never would have previously, like I know I am the queen of his world. And I feel like I have not felt threatened or contracted. And to feel that sense of freedom, like, sure, like, whatever, I'm totally cool. Like, I'm down for the ride. I'm so excited to experience all of these things with you. Like, that's my ultimate goal. Like, I always want to be the most free. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, for for people who may feel very contracted around these kinds of conversations, like if I can be a living embodiment of seeing there's a possibility of something different. And that came with a lot of that came with having to do a lot of healing work around the wounding that I had. So I'm not just saying like, jump the gun before you're ready. But you know, Mm -hmm. if it feels more like an edge, rather than something that could be re traumatizing, like, you know, it's, it's good to like push our edges a little bit and to see actually how, how powerful and like, capable we are. But I loved I love that you brought that forward just to circle back about um, the fantasy buffet of like <laughs> you're just being really honest with each other and that conversation is open and that's so beautiful because most people don't take the time to sit and like make it fun but to even talk about those things because they're so scared. Absolutely, and that's it's so powerful and I think it challenges a lot of preconceived ideas that people do have around having an atypical relationship or like monogamish or or polyamorous or whatever you want to call it because they often think that it's reckless or you're out of control or there's no agency involved in it it's just like i'm this i cannot control my urges so i'm just going to consume whatever is in front of me instead of like no there's still boundaries and everyone has different ones like there's still bumpers for every relationship like you said you're you're the gatekeeper of that. And that's how it was with my husband and I as well. Is mm-hmm. I got to say like yes or no to to whatever was going to go down. And um, it's like you're in, in a devoted marriage. I'm in a devoted marriage. I have kids. You want kids. So it challenges a lot of these beliefs that you can't be both of those things at the same time. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I don't know what your experience, is, your experience was, but the first time that I like we had another woman in bed with us, it was like almost the most like I was super turned on. I also love watching and I was like, I didn't know that I would feel this way because I was right. wildly jealous before. And I was like, right. this is like the most erotic experience I have ever had. It's why you but have I the had, kink. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I but I had never felt more safe or more like that's my man. And like the way he would look at me, even though there's this mm-hmm. other beautiful woman there, it was like yeah. no threat whatsoever. Yeah. And we both were playing and it was just like, I can't, you can't really put that connection into words. And it's going to sound crazy to anyone who's maybe on the fence of it and who maybe hasn't explored that edge. But mm-hmm. it, again, it just kind of, it fortified our relationship 1000% and it brought yeah. 
a new spice into it that I never thought I needed or wanted, but like, holy cow. So those are some of my favorite experiences. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it brings so you would think, like, is it reckless? Could it cause contraction? Could it cause like all of those things are possible for sure. And also, you know, just as like a, um, a little bit of a devil's advocate, like, in a previous experience where there was not the sense of safety and stability and trust going into something like that, where it legitimately like threatened all of my wounding because I did not trust that container in the first mm-hmm. place, like that can be re-traumatizing. So there's like a, ca- you know, there's a, there's a caveat For to sure. it. Like if you're in a relationship where there is like a deep sense of trust, mm-hmm. you know, in the dyad, like then, you know, exploring these kinds of things can be super exciting. And what, what it always feels like for us as well is like, like his sense of love and gratitude for me afterwards is so immense. Like he calls it puppy dogging. Like he literally just follows me around. (laughs) Like it's like the funniest thing. And, and also there's like a, in my former life prior to Aubrey, my fear around the other woman and like those like disturbing things I would see in my mind about like what they were doing and how it was happening. Like that literally made me want to die. Like I would, you know, there's a part of me that loved the strip club and then we'd go and I'd come out from the bathroom and my, my ex was getting a lap dance. And like, I felt like I was going to like poop out my stomach. Like it was just like, Oh my God, that's the worst. But I actually think, um, I think that you develop very intuitively a kink around the things that you're afraid of. Mm. So actually, like my excitement around witnessing my partner and their pleasure, like with another person, like for some reason, the thing that I used to be the most afraid of is like one of my greatest excitements. And I think that they're like linked in a way, like I think that we actually know on an unconscious level that sexual and uh, sexual energy orgasm and pleasure are actually really purifying to the body and if we can actually find how to be like turned on about the things that we're afraid of like you probably just are naturally but i think that there's like a deeper sensing and a deeper knowing there which is why like same thing like i'm a total foyer and like i could totally just be the whole time i'm like and i'm so happy (laughs) and i'm like so turned on and excited and it's like actually like the most exciting thing for me in the experience and then feeling like you're the facilitator of like rapture and pleasure for your partner is like the most gratifying and rewarding feeling. And I think there's, I think there's another sense too, for like one thing that I feel with what has happened for Aubrey and I, after those experiences is understanding that, you know, men have felt so shamed for their sexuality. And there's a lot of toxic masculinity. I am not condoning all of that. Like I'm, I'm not. For my husband who we're in a sacred co- devoted container and he literally treats me like the queen of the cosmos. One thing that I've witnessed within him after those experiences is he gets to fully express himself in his desire and his sexuality without feeling like his sexuality is is wrong or rejected or like he's judged for it. Like there is something really healing that happens within him where all of a sudden it feels like his, you know, capacity to be able to just like 
go into work and just like, like, it's like his desire to just like help the world and do his best and all of these things, like it amplifies that energy so greatly just because, and it's not because like, oh, I got to hit it. I got to hit it with a, another girl. And like, no, I got another, you know, girl in my books. And like, like, it's like not that energy. It's like my queen, my wife, my love, you know, loved me enough to provide this experience where, you know, we, we get to experience the Eros with another lover and I get to experience the full expression of my sexuality without being judged for it. Like it just amplifies something so significant in him. And I think that there's, I think that there's like a big code to that. And again, I'm not condoning that for everybody. I do not think that this is for everyone, but to just have, you know, an open mind and curiosity around like that concept. And I know that can be really difficult for some people to receive because I used to have like a definite, you know, somewhat hatred towards men in my past for all of the, all of the wounding that I had been through. Um, but I think, you know, keeping an open mind to when you're in the container that feels really honest and authentic and sacred that like, it's a really, really beautiful thing to experience in both directions. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. That was amazing. I could talk to you for hours and I don't want to take up your entire day. So hopefully we can do this again. Yeah. Um, but before we sign off, do you want to tell listeners where they can follow you or any projects you're working on and how they can support you? Sure. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram at, at Vilana. It's V-Y-L-A-N-A. I have, if you go on the link in my bio, I have links to all of the podcasts that I've been on. Um, I recently put out an album called Goddess Rise. That's all about the full reclamation of our full spectrum radiance as the feminine um, and this sort of, you know, internal and external revolution of the feminine and rising of the feminine that's happening. So if you're looking for uh, some empowerment in your day, definitely check that out. Um, I also did a full visual album that accompanies the album. That's a film called Rise of the Goddess that's on YouTube, it's on YouTube slash by Lana. You can find all of it on my Instagram and my link in bio. Everything that I'm up to, um, also on bylana.com. Uh, I'm up to a lot this year. So really looking forward to connecting more with with your audience, hopefully, and a bunch of offerings and other things that I'll be doing in the world. Lots of music coming. Amazing. Yeah, and I'll link that all below for everyone in the show notes. Thank you so much again. This is incredible. Thank and you. definitely check out that visual album because it is spicy. I loved it. <laughs> it was <you>. great. <laughs> Thank you, you so much. Up. Amazing. So wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week's episode of Chatting with Candice. If you have not left a five-star review or it has been a while, please do so. It helps me a ton with charting and showing up in the algorithm. And if you are not hitting like and subscribe, please take a second to do that. If you enjoyed the content, make sure you tell a couple of friends about it. That helps with discoverability and just growing the podcast. It takes all of us. And if you want to support the podcast, you can go to chattingwithcandice.com. You can sign up for our Patreon there where you'll get early access to episodes and be able to ask our guests some questions or click that little link that says buy me a coffee all of those proceeds go directly back into the podcast it helps me get all of this beautiful equipment and eventually flying in some guests for in-person interviews so thank you so much and i'll see you next time 